Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. I bet you're thinking, obviously, women aren't small men. We are different in so many ways, the biggest being the most obvious one, which is that we have a 28-day menstrual cycle with hormones that dictate our metabolism, mood, growth, sleep, reproduction, energy, and so much more. But if you were to look at most research focused on nutrition, physiology, pharmaceutical drugs, diagnostics, and basically anything in the realm of the human body, you will find that most researchers consider women small men. And what I mean by this is simple. Researchers extrapolate information gathered in studies done on men and make recommendations based on those studies for women. And let me tell you, it has not worked out in our favor. This has created the biggest knowledge gap when it comes to treating women in the medical system, and it has impacted women when it comes to our overall health and well-being. Now, when you look at the history of clinical research when it comes to human physiology, you can clearly see how this knowledge gap has emerged. For many decades, women were either completely excluded from or vastly underrepresented in medical research, and nobody questioned this approach at all. There were various reasons given for women's exclusion, perhaps the biggest being that white men were simply considered the norm, and so everything was, and sadly often continues to be, constructed with them in mind. There was also the fact that women's hormones and reproductive systems, which many researchers saw as not only an overly complicated variable, but also a liability. In fact, the FDA issued a policy in 1977, just two years before I was born, recommending the exclusion of all women of childbearing age from all clinical research, even if they were using contraception or had no intention of having children. Even aside from this policy, researchers generally wanted to steer clear of women because of their complex hormonal fluctuations just added to unwanted complications in these studies. A lot of big foundational clinical studies were done in the 1980s on thousands of men and no women, with no justification beyond the assumption that there weren't many differences between the sexes beyond reproductive organs and that it was just fine to extrapolate male results to the female population. There's the sense that women's hormones made them more heterogeneous group of subjects and that it would be just much easier to have an all-male study population. In other words... (laughs) For decades and decades, the researchers were practicing lazy medicine. The exclusion of women from clinical research began to get public attention in the 1990s, and there were congressional hearings to try to get to the bottom of why these taxpayer-funded studies from the NIH excluded half, correction, a little bit over half the population. And there was a public outcry of these revelations and... Policy changes ensued to include more women going forward. However, since there's an estimated lag time of 17 or so years between research being conducted and how it makes its way into medical practice and bedside, many of the effects of these changes have not yet been felt in 2022. The takeaway from this is that there is a lot to be done when it comes to understanding women's bodies. And 
that a lot of the research that is dictating our nutrition, diets, physiology, exercise, I mean, everything across the board when it comes to optimizing the human body, longevity, anti-aging, all of it has mostly been done on men. We haven't really looked or not enough of how women respond to all the types of clinical research that's being done specifically on nutrition and human physiology and medicine, all of that. So we have our work cut out for us for sure. And we are making slow progress in this direction. And I think that's why I really want to be having this conversation today because there is some things that we know now about our physiology and how we can eat and how we can train to boost our metabolic function, to increase our longevity, and to have a body that feels really good for us. And guess what? It's all tied to the way that our menstrual cycle works. So how are we different and why does it matter? That's what I want to focus on today and how you can optimize your metabolism, energy, and mood based on what makes women women, what makes you you, because we have different hormones and different chemistry. Now, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, the biggest and most important difference is the fact that we menstruate. That's the thing, because so much goes into menstruation. So much goes into making our cycle work 28 days back, you know, back to back to back. We are just cyclical creatures, and we always have to take that into account. Given that we have varying hormonal compositions every single day of the month, which affects our metabolism, mood, sleep, and dietary requirements, we, we need to know how that works. And what a freaking superpower it is when we can leverage our cycle to our advantage. Our menstrual cycle has always been our superpower, even outside of the fact that women can literally make babies, right? So it's a superpower in its own right, but let's just speak into the fact that we make babies. I am in such awe of women for bringing life into this world. Our strength and resilience is something to be honored every day of the year, not just during the month of March, which is Women's History Month, right? We're in it right now. And oh my goodness, as a woman who has had a baby, what an amazing feat that was. I am still blown away by the miracle of creating a tiny little human being and the amount of resources that the body requires to do that is just mind-blowing. And for that reason alone, you would think that we'd want to study that more than anything. How does a woman's body create that level of resources and resiliency to make another human being? I don't know how we weren't the standard because that is some pretty incredible feats that we create as women. Also, our cycle is a rite of passage to fully express being a woman. Let's be honest, men can't have a period and bring life into this world. So it's time to be in awe of our bodies. Your body and your hormones aren't something to fight against or be mad at. Instead, begin to listen to your body and work with the different phases of your cycle so that you can thrive in your career, with your partner, your kids. You can save your sanity no matter what time of the month it is. How does that sound? I don't know about you, but that sounds really, really great. When I finally fully understood how my cycle worked throughout the month, I could finally tap into how I was feeling at a deeper level. Before that, I simply wasn't having much success. In my 20s, I had bought into the myth, eat less calories and work out more. I mean, I think all of us bought into the myth of eat less calories and work out more because guess what? It worked for men. (laughs) It doesn't work for us. And I remember so many times when I fell off and I was so tired and yet I just pushed through, I persevered, I grinded harder, I did the harder weight trainings, I did the HIIT workouts, 
literally not understanding that I was doing my body such a disservice. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what phases is great for those hard workouts and what phases just put the weights aside. Had I known that there were times in my cycle for the hard workouts and other times for yoga and walking, although I think walking is great all the time. I think yoga is great all the time as well. I know I could have saved myself a lot of grief and I would have experienced far better results. I wouldn't have burned out. I wouldn't have had chronic fatigue. It was that constant male pushing, masculine pushing that I was doing, fighting against my body that led to major hormone chaos. I have no problem admitting that. I was always told to just push forward and the research said so too, except that the research was wrong. It was entirely wrong. I also wouldn't have been so hard on myself when I felt like a failure, not knowing that the recommendations I were following were based on 20-year-old men. They simply didn't work for my 28-year-old, you know, Latina female frame. It just was never going to happen. So when we understand our cycles and how our body changes according to the different phases, which I'm going to drop into today, we can rock our body and get the most out of how our body performs for us. We can work with our body outside of working against our body. And I can't think of a better way to help you tap into the physical and emotional potential than by giving you a simple guide to your menstrual cycle phases and what is going on in each phase. This is why I think it's important to track your cycle if you're still cycling, even in perimenopause, as your body and hormones are changing at that phase significantly. So don't think you can skip tracking your cycle if you're in your 40s. Mm -mm. As long as you're cycling, it's important to know what's going on with your critical fifth vital sign. So without further ado, let's dive into owning our menstrual cycle so that we can optimize our body based on the changes that occur throughout our four phases and honor that we are cyclical beings. First, what I want to do is I want to lay the groundwork for your cycle by breaking it down. You probably know this, but I think it's always good to have a little refresher, just kind of explain what is going down. There are four phases of your menstrual cycle. Menstruation, which is day one of your cycle, um, the follicular phase, ovulation, and the luteal phase. Each phase can feel wildly different, and that's because they are. And each phase impacts our body and our ability to maximize metabolic function, mood, energy, and brain function. So let's talk about how your period works. So as I mentioned, about every 28 days, and this is kind of like the standard, what we consider a menstrual cycle, 28 days, your body undergoes a process of growing a uterine lining called an endometrium. Your endometrium thickens each month in preparation for a fertilized egg. If that egg gets fertilized, bam, you are having a baby. If that egg isn't fertilized, the uterine lining sheds and results in the familiar time of the month, your period, that first day of your cycle. Now, the onset of bleeding marks day one of your cycle, and we generally count from there, keeping it super, super simple. The first day you bleed is the first day of your cycle. It's as simple as that. Now, midway through your cycle, around day 14, 15, is when you're ovulating. And then the last day of your cycle, right before you start to bleed, is usually day 28. Now, it's normal for cycles to vary in length from day 25, 25 days to 30 days. And this is why I highly recommend tracking your period with an app. I really like Flow, Kendara, Clue. There's a lot of great period tracking apps on your phone that you can use. That way, you are not surprised by your period again, and you really know what's going on with your body. Now, I thought for years it was okay to be surprised by my period because I just didn't understand that understanding my menstrual cycle was so, so critical to my overall health. 
But now that I know this, right, I know that there's so much power in knowing each phase of your cycle and then what you can expect physically, emotionally, metabolically from each and every week. Now, many women have shared with me that they are a little ashamed of certain parts of their cycles, namely their premenstrual part of the cycle, right, the end of the luteal phase or the PMS phase. Again, the end of the luteal phase. And I can completely relate. I always felt like a bit of a failure during that week leading up to my period. I always felt like I had to work extra hard and push through so much discomfort to get the results I wanted. And let me tell you, I didn't typically get the results I wanted. It never dawned on me that that was a week when I needed to give my body extra rest, exactly what my body was needing from me. It also didn't dawn on me that I would have gotten better results if I had listened to what my body was requesting of me instead of pushing her so, so hard. And it never dawned on me, like I know it didn't dawn on so many other people, that our body's needs change with each and every phase and that if we can honor our body's changes and honor our body's cues, that it is just the overall best world to be had, that we are stepping into our body's truth, that we're stepping into our body's full capacity, and that we're really honoring our body as a temple, which, you know, we just need more of that. So here's how to navigate the four phases of your menstrual cycle. As we journey through each phase of your cycle, it's important to keep in mind that every woman's cycle is different. Your cycle, it's different than potentially your sister's or your mama's or your cousin or your best friend's, right? So just note that there's going to be some level of generality here, but I definitely want to give you kind of the meat and potatoes of what goes down in every single phase. And just note that plenty of perfectly healthy women have periods of different lengths and experience different energy levels and symptoms throughout. Your mood and symptoms may even fluctuate month to month and throughout your life, depending on how you are taking care of your body. If your cycle doesn't match perfectly with the phases I outlined below, do not worry. Just keep tracking your cycle. And if you're concerned that your hormones may be off, thank goodness this podcast showcases a lot of episodes devoted to fixing your period, your menstrual cycle, and your hormones. That's what this podcast is all about. So you are in the right place. All right. Without, without any more to be said, let's break down phase one, which is menstruation, typically day one through seven or up to day eight, right? So day one of your cycle marks the first day you start bleeding and usually lasts anywhere between three to eight days. Hormone-wise, your progesterone levels just took a nosedive and it's at its lowest point. Also following in suit is estrogen and testosterone. Basically all hormones take a nosedive here. And this is also the one time where physiologically we are more like men because our hormones are so low. Um, So this is one of the best times to up your intensity. And here's why. During the first seven to eight days of your cycle, you're at a low hormone phase. And because of that, you are better at tapping into your glycolytic energy stores. And this allows you to be able to increase intense workouts because your muscles are primed to do more high intensity work and they can benefit from it. Other key things that are happening right now is your pain tolerance is a little bit higher and you are more fatigue resistant, meaning a hard workout won't hit you as hard as other times of the month. So you can go harder if it feels like it's aligned for you. And because we tap into more carbohydrate stores and recover faster as compared to high hormone phases, the luteal phase, right? So here's some things that you can think about in order to thrive during phase one. 
Again, if, if you are into heavy workouts or you're into lifting heavy, this is a great time to do it. Strength training is going to be the most beneficial for you because your body's primed for it. This is a great time to also try intermittent fasting to create more metabolic flexibility. And I'm talking about like an eight hour fasting window. So let's say you eat from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Basically, you're fasting for that amount of time except for that eight hour window. So that's something to consider. Replenish your iron stores with iron-rich foods like shellfish, spinach, organ meats like grass-fed liver, red meats, pumpkin seeds. This is especially important for heavy bleeders. So just step up your supplements here. Take magnesium glycinate, zinc, omega fatty acids, and activated B vitamins in order to support cramps, headaches, fogginess, anxiousness, liver support, and hormone pathways. Clear your calendar of social events so you can spend more time alone as you might find yourself craving alone time. It's probably not the time to make mega plans just yet or go on a date with someone new. You're getting there, but these first couple days of your period, you may just want to just like go inward a little bit. Next, remove stressful situations during this phase and fill your fridge with nutrient-dense foods. Take hot baths with Epsom salts and go to bed an hour earlier than normal just to make sure that you're getting that rejuvenation and rest because your body is working hard right now as you are shedding the uterine lining. And then the other things I recommend is, you know, if you are partnered up, don't be shy about asking for help or at least some compassion during this time. I know my husband, my partner, is the best at this. He is so attuned with my cycle and gives me a lot of grace during my period. Now, if you're looking for essential oil support, Clary Sage is one of my favorite oils in the first couple days of menstruation. It's great for cramps, anxiety, sleep, worry, even feeling irritable. So just some things to be thinking about during this phase. Now, if we move into phase two, which is your overall follicular phase, your follicular phase also starts on day one of your cycle and lasts till about day 13 or until ovulation goes down. Now your hormones can change a lot during this phase with low estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone during the first few days with a gradual increase of estrogen and testosterone as your cycle moves closer to day 14. Now you won't experience a spike in progesterone or in temperature until the luteal phase after ovulation goes down. Now it's important to know that you must ovulate in order to release progesterone and into the luteal phase. And this happens with the corpus luteum. It's kind of like a temporary endocrine organ that releases all that progesterone that goes into the luteal phase. And always note that ovulation is the main event. It is where the magic happens, right? And we're gonna get into that in just a second. So during this time, your body begins to prepare for the potential of pregnancy by pumping out a hormone called follicular stimulating hormone, also known as FSH. FSH stimulates the egg in the ovaries to grow and the rising estrogen thickens the endometrium. As estrogen and testosterone rise during this phase, you'll also start to feel more like yourself with increased energy, brain function, mood. I mean, you are getting into your highest energetic place right now. You start to feel more confident, powerful, and are willing to take more risks. So this is how you thrive during phase two. As your sex hormones start to increase, you really begin to get your energy and your drive back. Protein synthesis is greater in this phase due to a rise of estrogen and testosterone, which are anabolic hormones. So you are primed to building lean muscle and building strength. This also helps to boost metabolic function. This is where you can really, really capitalize on your hormones, building towards better metabolic flexibility. This is also a great time for heavy lifting. It feels aligned for you. 
And if you've been thinking about integrating keto, this is a great time too, because your body is primed for it, given the state of where your hormones are at. So keto it up if you've been thinking about it, because this is the time to really optimize ketosis and fat burning. Now here's a few ways to thrive during the follicular phase. Schedule big meetings, put those networking and social skill events back on your calendar. It's an excellent time for speaking gigs and other public appearances. Now that we're finally coming out of the pandemic, this is a great time to get out and see people again. There's also a good time to initiate new projects at work or at home, make important decisions. Brainstorming and problem solving will be major strengths during this phase. Speak up during those meetings and also plan business strategizing meetings, right? This is where you kind of step into your power and you've got the energy and the stamina to do it. You're also beginning to feel energetic and sexy again, just in your body. So bust out those sexy outfits, you know, really focus on that self-care and, you know, get out there and just kind of sway and bask in your amazingness. Also, higher estrogen levels mean your skin has more firmness and elasticity. Um, So you're just not only feeling good, you're looking good, like everything's on point. And I love this. I love this phase. Now, since this is the time of the month to really be pushing it, because you can, you have the energy, the stamina to go and get it. I love oils like wild orange and peppermint to be great extra energizer bunnies for this phase, especially before a workout. I love, love peppermint oil for that little extra energy boost. And might as well just optimize the energy that you've got by using these oils. Next phase, phase three, is ovulation, also known as the main event. Typically, like if you were to go on a chart, it's day 14, but we ovulate all different days. You could be ovulating on day 12, day 13, day 16. It's important to know when this is because it's such a short yet very crucial part of your cycle, one that many of us don't even notice. Unless you're trying to get pregnant, you don't notice this at all. But it's important to note, so around day 14 or so, your pituitary gland excretes a hormone called luteinizing hormone, LH, that causes ovaries to release that mature egg cell. It then travels through the fallopian tubes where it stays for about 24 hours waiting for fertilization. While, you know, I've had some patients experience dips in energy during ovulation, most women feel their most powerful, energetic, and sexiest during this time. The ovulatory phase is your body's opportunity at baby making, after all, and so you are likely to feel fit, confident, communicative, sensual, all of those things are happening. It's biologically what's meant to go down. Now, physiologically, your core body temperature rises and it will stay elevated for the remainder of your cycle all the way up until your next period. This is due to the surge of progesterone that is about to take place once you ovulate. Now, your overall strength will peak at this time. So just note that like this is where you really want to squeeze the most out of your strength and your energy before you head into that luteal phase, which is known as your high hormone phase. So this is how to thrive in phase three ovulation phase. So powerful sex hormones are peaking. Get ready to take advantage of all that energy. And note, this is a great time to socialize, attend networking events, plan date nights with your high energy at just surging and thriving. Again, those hardcore workouts can really, really benefit you. 
And often your confidence is through the roof at this time. So it's a great time to try something new, risky, to be brave. This is what I love about this particular phase. And oils for this, I always recommend oils like sandalwood, jasmine, cinnamon, and rose because they cultivate confidence, self-love, energy, and just really getting into loving yourself, right? Feeling yourself. That's what ovulation is all about. Then we step into phase four, which is the full luteal phase. Technically, it's the full second part of the cycle. It usually is day 15 to day 28. Now, this phase runs approximately 12 to 16 days and is broken up into two halves, or you can just call it two weeks. Ideally, the luteal phase should be closest to 14 days or so for it to be considered an optimal fertile cycle. This gives progesterone a chance to shine. Now, a shorter luteal phase may not provide the uterus enough progesterone for an ideal fertility and ideal fetal development. This is, of course, isn't the case for everyone, but evidence suggests that 14 days or so of a luteal phase is ideal for most women. So after ovulation, progesterone increases to prepare your body for pregnancy, but it starts a steady decline along with estrogen and testosterone, follicular stimulating hormone, and luteinizing hormone until day one of your cycle. So note that progesterone peaks at like day 21, and then all hormones begin to drop as we head into day 28. Now during this phase, a woman's physiology is marked very different than a man's. Progesterone increases her body temperature by 0.5 degrees. Sodium excretion and muscle tissue breaks down. This combination of elevated estrogen and progesterone decreases the amount of water in our blood, increasing the body's resilience when it comes to fat for fuel, while stimulating greater fat storage and increasing central nervous system fatigue. So basically, we run out of steam quicker, and that has always been true for me. I've noticed that when I head into definitely the second part of my luteal phase, like I just don't have, I don't have it, right? I don't have the steam. And it makes sense because physiologically and metabolically, we just don't. It's how it's meant to be. So during the late part of the luteal phase, basically five to seven days before menstruation, this is a good time to focus on walking, yoga, lighter weights with more reps if you continue to weight train, and stay on top of protein intake throughout the week along with healthy carbs. This is not the time to be doing hardcore keto or intermittent fasting. The body needs a break to replenish. On the plus side, your metabolism and your metabolic functioning has increased 5 to 10%, resulting in burning more calories. For the first half of your luteal phase, you are usually feeling pretty good. Estrogen hasn't completely tanked yet, and progesterone remains steadily increasing. But during that second week of the luteal phase, estrogen will slightly rise again in preparation for pregnancy. If there's no pregnancy, estrogen and progesterone will drop and cause that uterine lining to shed, Also, this is the time when we start to have those premenstrual symptoms, PMS symptoms, and we just feel a little bit low energy. So what I want to share is what we can do to thrive during the follicular phase. As I mentioned, energy is dipping, right? Especially as we move past day 21. So it's time to replace these heavier workouts with some yoga flows, light cardio, walking, hiking, things that just really feel good and nourishing to the body. 
Same goes for your social life. It's time to replace those big events and date nights with cozy plans at home or connection with women, right? So most women report feeling fatigued during this time of the month. It's also a great time to flex those creative muscles. It's when we're the most creative. Journaling, drawing, or just doing things that just really inspire that creativity, listening to great podcasts, listening to great books, just drawing into kind of going inward as well. Now, it's common to experience cravings during this time of the month, especially for carbohydrate-rich foods. So feel free to indulge, but I say I recommend just focusing on those really healthy, yummy carbs, things like sweet potatoes, butternut squash, lots of yummy veggies, roasted veggies. This is going to also really show up for you in terms of like you feeling nourished and feeling like those warming foods. And again, carbs can just feel so, so just so wonderful to the body. But you're not overdoing it on, you know, insulin resistant driven foods. So one of the things about this particular f- part of the phase as well is we become more insulin resistant during this phase. So and it's because of, of the hormones dropping and shifting. So again, I want you to focus on those healthy, healthy carbs that are going to help stabilize blood sugar, opposed to causing a major blood sugar roller coaster that can just make those PMS symptoms all the more challenging and difficult to have to manage. When it comes to managing those cravings, I love peppermint and grapefruit to help you kind of manage, you know, succumbing to cravings like that. Also, you're more likely to feel pain during the last couple of days of your bleeding. And this has to do with a rise in prostaglandins. So unlike the first part of the follicular phase where your pain tolerance drops, in this part of the phase of getting closer to your cycle, the first day of your cycle, your pain tolerance has, it's dropped. So you're going to experience more discomfort. So it's important to have, you know, whatever you love to use. I personally love essential oils. Like I love peppermint. I love lavender. I love frankincense. There's a lot of different things you can do to kind of apply to your uterus to kind of calm down some of those cramps that you may be experiencing as you head into your period, headaches and migraines. I love peppermint for those types of things as well. And so also be thinking about maybe getting a massage during this time, you know, meditating during this time. Although I think meditation is great all the time, but just do things that are really going to love up and nourish your body. That's what I recommend for this particular phase. If you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this isn't how my cycle feels at all, then I definitely want you to look into what could be going on. And I think tracking your cycle is such a great, great way of getting that insight because getting to know your unique cycle is an insightful journey. And if this resonates with you, that is amazing. I'm so grateful to hear that. Now, if you find yourself hitting a wall with your practitioner regarding any hormone issues or hormonal imbalance, you know, especially as you navigate during the different cycles, there's a couple things that I recommend bridging the gap, right? Because at the end of the day, we have periods and that changes a lot of things as we walk through this entire menstrual cycle, right? And so oftentimes, again, a lot of the research that's happening in the medical institutions by your doctor is going to not necessarily be in relation to you. And most of our practitioners are not hormone experts. It's just the way it is. They get very little information and education when it comes to the endocrine system. Hence why we often are given pills to manage our period issues when we really need to be looking at a root cause approach. So if you find yourself, you know, dealing with this, here's a couple tips for bridging the knowledge gap. Given that you're a woman in a basically more patriarchy, men dominated medical system. 
The recommendation is always advocate for yourself, right? And I know this can be hard to do, but oftentimes we need to. So at your next appointment, take a friend or a relative with you, maybe your partner. This can help in two ways. One, it's another set of eyes and ears so that if there's anything inappropriate said or symptoms are missed or you're not being heard, not only can they help advocate for you, but also they can help you process that and figure out what to do next. Also, keep a record of symptoms can be super helpful, even photographs or videos, just so that you can take them to your appointments so that you are heard and seen and that you're believed. Also, taking notes at your appointment. Yes, some doctors don't like this, but there's no rule that you can't take notes of what's being said in your appointment and give you more clarity as to what your next steps are moving forward. And then lastly, especially if something doesn't resonate with you, get a second opinion, ideally from a functional practitioner who is trained to look at the root cause of your endocrine system. Because as I've shared on this podcast and in my books, your hormones are rarely the problem. It's something deeper going on underneath the surface. Remember, treating your hormones isn't going to get the job done. We've got to look at what are the root causes that are throwing your hormones off to begin with. Now, a big reason why I created this podcast is to help provide you with answers to get the most common misdiagnosed and dismissed issues that women face today, including how your body optimizes energy based on where you're at in your cycle. I created this podcast, now seeing over 150,000 downloads per month, so that you feel more prepared and ready to have tough conversations and to advocate for yourself and to help give you the tools to start diving in and supporting your body naturally. What I know to be true is that there's so much that we can do every day to support our overall health. And we have the power and the knowledge to become the CEO of our own health. Because honestly, who else is going to do it? You are, you are the number one person who's going to advocate and fight for your own well-being. And I believe that when we have the knowledge and the tools to listen to our body and to you know, bring in some beautiful practices, we can move the needle when it comes to our overall health and our endocrine system. I believe this whole, wholeheartedly. Again, thank you so much for listening in today to the Essentially You podcast. This show is always about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. If there's someone that needs to hear this today, take a moment, screenshot it and text it on over to them or share it on social media. And when you share it, definitely hashtag hormone literacy or hormone CEO. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.